aggression is one of the last dirty words in our culture. You can be crass, you can be rude, you can even be profane, but ho, ho, aggressive, don't be aggressive, except it's wrong, dead wrong. I promise you nothing of meaning and transcendence will come into your life passively. It's time for you to get into the arena to push back against a passive, mediocre existence. I'm Brian Tome, and this is The Aggressive Life. Well, welcome to The Aggressive Life. My name is Brian Tum, and boy, we've got some good stuff going on today. Today, we're going to come against one of those lies that everyone seems to believe here in our culture. I'll just call it out for what it is. You're not going to like it, but I'm going to say it anyway. The lie is this. Follow your passion. Please do not. You better understand what that means. You better understand. Our guest today is going to help us understand what it means. Let me tell you something. I've been passionate about a lot of things in my life. I I grew up watching the Brady Bunch, and because I watched the Brady Bunch, I was passionate about being an architect. I thought that's if that's what Papa Brady did, that I'm going to be an architect. I love the Pittsburgh Steelers growing up in Pittsburgh, and I thought, man, I'm passionate about football. I'm going to be a professional football player. I, I, I could give you one thing after another that I was passionate about. Motorcycles. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get on the professional motorcycle tour, or at least have enough followers of my Instagram account that I'll get free stuff from BMW. Oh, it's great. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Simply having passion does not make for a great life. So with me today is an old-time friend, and actually old-time colleague. His name is Todd Henry. Todd Henry has started a successful podcast called Accidental Creative. Todd Henry uh, used to used to actually work for me and with me, and has gone out and exceeded me. It's always yeah. awesome <laughs> when someone leaves and exceeds you. He's getting speaking gigs like all over the, I like to say country, but probably world. He's been speaking internationally as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, all over. yeah. He, he he gets he gets invited to this the, the 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 greatest leadership conference ever to speak at it, and he's you know. No, he's uh, he's done impressive stuff. I knew him back when he was just a little old Todd Henry who did creative stuff at Crossroads. So please welcome my guest for today, Todd Henry. Hey, man. Well, I, I had a great teacher, right? Is that, do you remember that 80s, uh, like that drug ad where the dad comes into the room and the kid's like, you know, he finds like the drug paraphernalia or something. He's like, you know, where did you learn this? What did you, you know, and the kid's like, I learned it from you, all right? I learned it from you. And like... <laughs> Brian, I learned it from you, you know? I mean, I had had some great uh, mentorship, great uh, leadership here at Crossroads, so uh, yeah. I appreciate that. Well, it's been amazing what you've done. So just give me your little bio. What, what have you been doing with your life the last uh, the last few years? You were on staff here, gosh, many years ago. It's just, I know I didn't give a full understanding of who you are and what your gig is. What do you specialize in, Todd Henry? What's your deal? Yeah, so I like to tag myself as an arms dealer for the creative revolution, right? So my job is to help people be prolific at a moment's notice to be able to produce great work. And so I've written four books. They've been translated into like 17 languages or something now. Um, I uh, travel around the world. I work with companies. I I speak at events and basically help people be prolific, brilliant, and healthy. So uh, doing a lot of work, doing good work, and doing it in a sustainable way, in a way that uh, will allow them to continue to produce great work over time. So uh, that's kind of my that's kind of my specialty. That's kind of my niche. It's kind of what I've worked into. And I think you know, I mean, we're under a lot of pressure these days to produce great work. And, uh, you know, expectations are only going up. And so really what I do is help people deal with those expectations and build some practices and rhythms into their life to help them be good at what they do. 
When I was in high school, I graduated from high school in 1983. And in 1983, you know, the work world was such that you work for Westinghouse, which my dad did, or you work for GE, or you got some stable job. And that was it, man. You got your job and boom, that's that's the way it was. You just started to hear just a little bit, just the smallest, smallest hint of a phrase that I want to talk about today. The phrase I started to hear about was follow your passion. I started to hear this in that context. It was about if you're not an accountant and you should be a teacher, follow that. You should, you should know who you are. Better for you to be a teacher and be not well paid than for you to hate life staring at numbers all day and staring at ledger books because they didn't have even have Excel spreadsheets. Okay, it morphed from that to the revolution of quote unquote, follow your passion. Todd, it sounds kind of aggressive. I like it. I like aggressive phrases, follow your passion. So tell us, should we, should we follow our passion? I think, well, I think the answer is yes, but I think we need a better understanding of what passion means. I think that's where we get lost, right? We tend to think of passion as something I like, right? So I like bicycles, so I'm going to go start a bike shop, right? Or I like ice cream, or I like, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals, or whatever it is, right? Whatever it is, like we tend to think about passion Why as something— Why would you we... like the Cincinnati Bengals? <laughs> you like to lose? I'm about to explain yeah. to you why, <laughs> okay, right, why that ahead. is a passion. Good. Um, the root of the word passion— actually means, the, 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 in its root form, the word passion means to suffer, right? That's where the word passion comes from. So, yay, suffering, right? Follow your suffering, follow your, but that's really what that word means in its root form. So, you know, you hear like the passion of the Christ. I never understood what, what does that mean, right? Well, it's, it's the suffering of the Christ. It's what the Christ walked through, you know, in order to accomplish his, his calling. So when we, if we phrase or frame up, follow your passion, in that context, I think it's really valuable and useful. Wow, as in your passion is what you're willing to suffer for? Your passion is something that you care about so much that you're willing to pursue it in spite of your temporary suffering. Yes. So I'm willing to suffer on behalf of an outcome. That doesn't mean I have to suffer. It doesn't mean I'm always going to suffer. It doesn't mean I'm not going to like what I do. But if I'm truly following a passion, it means something that I'm willing to spend myself on behalf of and I'm willing to, to walk through discomfort in order to do now, that. Have you written a book on this? I have. Okay, so then I might dis- I don't know what you're saying in your book, so let's have a conversation. <laughs> so if I disagree with your book here, that's, that's sure. uh, I don't Ab- know if I will or not. I haven't read your book yet. Absolutely, Sorry. yeah. So what I this is a this is very very invigorating because that tells me that follow your passion is I should be going someplace I'm willing to suffer. That's what I hear. Absolutely. That yeah. kind of passion, follow passion, I'm all for. That's not what I see today. I see it's, oh, what are the interests that I just have such an interest in? Oh, oh, what is it that makes me feel fulfilled? The things I have interest in and make me feel fulfilled, like motorcycles, I'm not going to suffer for motorcycles. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is, I mean, part, listen, we're, we're wired for two conflicting things as humans, right? We're wired for conquest. I think most of us have in us a desire to, to, to conquer, to take new ground, to try new things, to grow. Like we, we want that. I think deep down, there's part of us that's wired for this part of the way God wired us, right? But we're also wired to pursue comfort at the same time. I think part of us wants to just like lay on the couch, eat potato chips and watch Netflix all day. I think that that's part of what we're wired to do. And so we live in this tension, you know, between 
conquer, conquest and comfort. And so when we talk about the aggressive life, I think the aggressive life is I'm going to choose in, in the moment, I'm going to choose to do the right thing even when it's the uncomfortable thing. So if we want to live an aggressive life, we have to choose to pursue something that's difficult, that's challenging, that needs doing, something that's being called out of us, yeah. and be willing to do that in spite of what it might cost us, right? In spite of how uncomfortable it might make us. I believe that following your passion means I'm going to commit to a problem. I'm going to commit to something that's worth doing in spite of the fact I might not always like it. A little secret, right? Like I've written four books in the last eight years. I hate to write. I really do. I don't like the process of writing. I've never liked writing. But writing is the best way for me to communicate my ideas. It's the best way for me to achieve the outcome I want, which is to put things into the world that are going to transform, hopefully transform the way people think about their work and and get work done. And so for me, it's worth walking through the suffering of having to write. Now, listen, there are worse ways of earning a living, right? But it's worth walking through something I don't enjoy doing and suffering through that process in order to achieve an outcome that I want. I mean, that's one example of how this plays out. You know, I think that we have to commit ourselves to problems we're solving. We have to commit ourselves to something that we're willing to suffer on behalf of. I think all the great contributions throughout history have been that way. You know, like Seth Godin loves to say, all the easy stuff's been done, right? Um, if, be- it was, if, it, if it was easy, they would have sent a dog with a note. Right. That's one of my favorite Brian Thomisms, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's true because, you know, we, we don't uh, – and you th- just think about it from a marketplace standpoint. I'm going to pay people to do easy things. Like all the easy stuff's been done. Robots are replacing the easy stuff, right? What we need are people who are committed, who are willing to commit themselves to difficult problems, you know, and and willing to pursue that in spite of what it might cost them. All of the great contributions throughout history have been people who have chosen that path. People who made the aggressive move. Absolutely. Yeah. So finish your thought. Following your passion, aggression, they fit together how? Make a dummy proof for us. Listen, to be aggressive means to do the right thing even when it's the uncomfortable thing. That's what that's what I believe living an aggressive life is, right? So when I'm being aggressive, I'm going to err on the side of action, even though part of me is saying, eh, I don't know, that doesn't feel like it, you know, it's, it's going to work out. But I think that that's what it is to follow your passion is I'm going to choose to move in the direction of the things being called out of me in spite of what it might cost me, in spite of, in spite of whatever suffering I might encounter in the process. So, so Todd, let's have you uh, pull down your pants for a moment here. Um, don't 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 right. start that quickly. I didn't mean like it was too, man. He just like went to it immediately. He did. He does everything I say immediately. <laughs> let's let's that's aggressive move right there. Let, let's have you pull down your pants and um, let's talk about how you are a model for this. I mean, you really are. As I was thinking about this, Todd had a uh, a comfy gig working in an organization that was giving him standard paycheck. Every two weeks, we took care of his medical, took care of a bunch of stuff, a very predictable life. And and then you went up, you left all that. You made the very, very aggressive move of going out and hanging your own shingle and doing something. How, wh- what do we learn from you? T- take us way back where, because now we hear like, oh, wow, he's, he's got four books. He's, he, he's, he's, inter- he's been speaking internationally, but, but go, go way, way back. What was it like to make that aggressive move? How did you make that aggressive move of leaving the comfortable for the unknown? Yeah, I, it, well, it was really hard. I mean, I, you know, there's there's no way to you know, look at this through rose-colored glasses. Like, it was really hard. I mean, listen, if if I ever wanted to know that my job mattered, 
you know, being on staff at Crossroads is a great way to know that, right? Knowing that I would show up every day, I would produce something that I knew was going to impact a lot of lives. Um, like you said, it's a pretty, pretty comfortable gig. I mean, it's hard, you know, we were doing hard stuff, but it was a pretty comfortable gig. I got to work with great people, world-class talent. So it was hard. It was not an overnight decision. It was really, it was a multi-year decision. And that's the other thing I think sometimes people... So aggressive doesn't mean like I make knee-jerk reactions. No, of course not. No, um, there's a difference between being aggressive and being stupid. You know, um, risk is not stupidity. As a matter of fact, I would argue that entrepreneurs are not necessarily risk takers as much as they are risk mitigators. I think that there comes a time when you have to leap you know, I was described it as kind of like I have one foot on the shore and one foot in the boat and the boat was starting to leave the shore. And like I had to either jump onto the shore or jump in the boat or I was going to end up in the water. That's kind of what it felt like. But that separation happened over a period of time. And it was something I discussed with my wife. I mean, I was married. I had three kids. Um, it was a multi, really a multi-year decision. As I was p- discovering what God was calling out of me, you know, I had to make sure that all my stakeholders were accounted for. I had to talk with my wife and say, hey, what's it going to look like for us to do this? What would make you feel comfortable, right? And then I had to honor that and work toward that. And so we were saving money. I was using some of my vacation time from my gig to go actually experiment and try this out and see like, am I actually good at this? Like, you know, like I took, uh, you know, three or four vacation days to fly to the West Coast and do a couple speaking gigs. And my wife was on board with it. She's like, great. Yeah. I mean, we want to see if you can actually do this before we, before we make a leap. Um, And then at the time when I actually did leave my job, I had $5,000 in committed booked income at that point, right? Like from the new gig. So it wasn't like, oh, this is going to be like exchanging one thing for the other. Um, I did have a book deal, which helps, you know, because at least I knew there was something happening, but it, it was not a no-brainer decision, but it had been a multi-year process of figuring out, okay, what do we need? We built up some runway. So we knew that, you know, if everything went sideways, at least I had the ability to navigate someplace else, right? Like yeah. we had some cushion. It wasn't like a stupid risk. There's a time to storm the beach, right? They're like Normandy, Really glad, really glad we had, you know, thousands of men willing to storm the beach because that was what was necessary. And there's also a time to, to, like, taking a risk looks like stepping back and being strategic. How much of a cushion do you have financially? Um, so we had uh, what what my wife told me she needed. I told you to have to pull down your pants. Yeah, so this is what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's yeah. totally fine. Yeah. Um, she, she said she wanted about nine months of expenses. Nine like, months of expenses. Yeah, so knowing okay. that we could basically pay the bills for nine months because we knew I could give it a run for yeah. a number of months. And then if it there wasn't an upward trend that I would still have some time to be able to go out and try to figure something else out. Right. So that was, that was what worked for us. Now, you know, I mean, if you're young, you don't have kids and you know, then you can, it might be a totally different calculation. I think, so I do believe there are a lot of 25 year olds out there who are considering taking a risk, you know, doing something aggressive and their benchmark isn't like, okay, what, okay. So I, I need to have nine months of, income and I need to, uh, really they should just be saying what's God calling out of me right like really what do you have to lose at that point they're comparing right. themselves with everybody else exactly and they're, they're seeing their all friends you need like is some peanut butter to eat absolutely That's all you need literally so so you need peanut butter they're you know their friends are driving BMWs and getting promotions and doing and, and so they're thinking like oh my gosh there's so much to lose like I'm right. gonna fall behind no that no absolutely not right. take this, the risk this may be very well very well like you know the, the, the most aggressive thing that's ever happened in all of culture was 
Jesus and his followers taking the world by storm with Christianity. It's the most powerful movement that's ever taken place, the most aggressive movement's ever taken place. Yes. It's, it's the only thing that we date time after. I mean, if you're Islam or you're atheist, whoever you are, you've got to be able to respect that it is the one movement that's gone to every corner of the globe and we date time after it started. It started hospitals and orphanages and public schools. It goes on and on and on and on. And how did that start? How did that start? It started with his disciples who were all in their teens. That's right, yeah. They're all in their teens. In fact, I think there was uh, there was just one of them that was over 19. We know he was over 19 because you just had to pay the temple tax and you had to be over 18 to get the temple tax and all you had to do was pay for himself and Peter. So they were the only one. Everyone else is under that. And I think about, what does that mean? Does that mean our organizations need to be filled with very, very young people? Uh, yes, but it also means this. You had a bunch of people, all they needed was peanut butter. Yeah, right? that's, that's exactly right. Yeah, I mean, you yep. can be very, very aggressive when all you need is peanut butter. Also, when you got when you got mortgage and you've got life insurance and you've got, you know, car loans, you got all this stuff. We put ourselves in a place where it's a bit harder to be aggressive. So I, I think we've got two messages here. One is first for the, for those of us who are younger, we just got to tell them, man, now's the time. Make right. your aggressive move. That's right. And by the way, not just in business, but like. That person you've been dating, like my wife and I met and married within nine months, right? And I'm going to tell you, it was like, it was a pretty challenging first handful of years of marriage. It was, you know, because we didn't know each other as if we dated each other for five years, you know, before that best decision we ever made, you know, because it was like, we met each other. We're like, Hey, we, yeah. we can build a life together. Well, you know? we're not able to do that today because we're not aggressive enough to actually ask sure. someone to marry us. Absolutely. We want to keep our weenie boy options open and say, Oh no, I'm just going to be with you for a few years. Don't make the aggressive move. If she's right, marry her. If she's not brush off the dust off your feet and get going. Anyway, I, I, yeah. I interrupt no, you. But, so. but, I, but I think, you know, when you're young, you, Tell yourself you have so much to lose, right? But it's but it's all illusory stuff. It's yes. all all this cultural chaff that's just, you know, it's like we look at what our friends are doing and we think, well, I'm gonna get behind them. What are people gonna think about me? Who cares what people think about you, right? I mean, it's your life. What's being called out of you? Go pursue something, commit yourself to a difficult problem, spend yourself on behalf of that problem. If you look back and you say, you know what, I didn't make progress after a couple of years. Big deal. Right. You probably learned a lot about right. yourself. You probably made some contacts. Navigate someplace else. That's fine. Now, when you're in your late 30s, your early 40s, you have a family, you have responsibilities. It's a different calculation, but the principle is the same. The principle is still what's being called out of me and what's it going to take for me to get there. So for me, the aggressive move wasn't, I'm just going to leave my job and hey, if God will provide, what? No, like I have responsibilities. Right. I've made decisions in my life. So now it's, I've got stakeholders and we have to make that decision together it was still a big risk, but it was a, a calculated risk based upon what works for our situation. Well, right? I, I like what you're talking about, Todd, because you're saying be moving. So if you're yeah. 25 and not married, you can be moving to peanut butter and going after your life right, right now. If you've got a few kids and a mortgage, you could still be moving because you can be making the aggressive move of cutting off Netflix and putting money in your savings account to get ready to give yourself a cushion. Right. Yeah. Or, I mean, you know... <laughs> I don't even know if you knew this at the time, but uh, I built my business from five to seven thirty in the morning and nine o'clock to eleven at night for about three and a half years. 
while while I was on staff at Crossroads, like that, because that's I, why your work sucked. That's why my work sucked so bad. I already gave my best in the morning, and I'm getting so. I, I understand that's why. No, but, you but sucked. Yes. But listen, I felt like something was being called out of me that was not consistent with my role at Crossroads. And we we even we had a conversation about that, right? And I said, hey, I want to do some of this, and it was decided. You know what? For for a lot of good reasons, this isn't a good fit for what we're doing right now. Totally got that. And I was given permission, hey, just don't cross the streams, right? Like keep it separate and that's totally cool. And so I did that. But it was, I mean, seriously, man, like years of five to seven thirty in the morning, yeah. nine o'clock to eleven at night, like working on stuff. Um, you know, right. and it was a, it was a big sacrifice for my family. Well, this is another angle for us, brother. I I look back on those days a lot and I do wonder what would have happened if like this podcast, this would be something you would have wanted me to do. Did you ask me to do 10 years ago? And I just wasn't into this sort of thing. I wasn't into building personal brand. Sure. I wasn't into building quote unquote followers. I wasn't into blogging. I call bloggers bloozers. Right? Remember, the, remember those days? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you were, you were yeah. on the front cutting edge of that. And I wasn't. I shunned that. And now I'm, uh, I'm, playing catch up. I'm seeing that's exactly a place where I need to be for a bunch of places. And I, I to, much to my chagrin, there were things I should have been more aggressive on way back when. And you were the guy who said it. You were the guy who talked it. You were the guy who were doing with your life. So I really admire that about you, brother. No, I really, that, really impressive. I mean, and you were right. You were right. Hmm. Well, I, I appreciate that. I, you know, maybe, right. M- maybe so. Um, it's very possible. And at the same time, like, listen, you, the thing I learned from you, if you want to be aggressive in your life, you have to bend your life around a vision. You have to be working towards something and everything in your life has to bend around that. So I I appreciate you saying that. And I also think like, listen, when you're bending your life around a vision, sometimes that, well, that always means saying no to stuff that isn't part of that vision. And sometimes we say no to the to things that yeah. we should say yes to, but that's that's part of the risk. Listen, if you're going to live an aggressive life, you're going to have to make decisions. When you make a decision, that word decision, again, the root word of that is cis, which means to cut. Hmm. So when you're making a decision, you are literally cutting off other things. You're saying no to a whole lot of stuff in order to say yes to just a couple of things. And so one of the other issues, I think, especially among the young set today, is we're not willing to make decisions. We're not willing to commit to something. We want to keep our options open. We've even talked about, like, you know, people won't commit to social engagements until, like, an hour before, right? Because they're kind of keeping their options open. I want to make sure I've got, you know, I want to see what else comes. No, just commit to something. If you want to change the world in some capacity, change the world around you, commit to a difficult problem. Be like a dog with a bone. Yeah. Find find where God's working. Look for a problem. Commit to it, and spend yourself blood, sweat, tears every single day for about a decade, and and you're going to change the world in some capacity, right? It's going to take time. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take an outpouring of everything you think you have. It's going to be choo- choosing to forsake comfort in order to pursue this thing, whether your passion, this thing you're willing to suffer for, and it's going to take a lot of time, but. That's what we need today. Yeah. That in order to solve the problems we're facing, we need committed people. People who are willing to say, "I'm going to spend myself against something difficult because nobody else is willing to do it." And yeah. and ironically, that's also the way that you often get the things that you want, right? Those things that you're chasing. Sometimes those things come along, but you have to first commit to a path before you get them. 
Okay, so for people who are listening right now, they're in a similar place where you are or where you were way back when, what are some questions they should be asking themselves about whether or not this is a passion I should be heading toward? Yeah, so there are, there are a handful of uh, like really helpful questions, I think, to help you identify a potential productive passion. By the way, you're going to have a portfolio of passions in your life, right? It's not like you have to find your thing. I think sometimes people get derailed because they have this purpose paralysis. It's like, well, I can't figure out what's my purpose in life. You have like dozens of purposes in your life, right? You play dozens of roles. So don't get hung up on that. Just identify some stuff that matters to you and go spend yourself on behalf of it. But a couple of questions you can ask. Um, one is, uh, what, what fills me with compassionate anger, right? Or what, what angers me? I'm not talking about like road rage or somebody cut me off, right? I'm talking about like compassionate anger. Um, Compassion means to make suffering common or to suffer with. So when you see something, you go, ah, somebody needs to do something about that, right? That somebody's you, you know? So where do you feel compassionate anger? Another one is um, what moves you emotionally or what makes you cry or guys, what makes you feel like you got something in your eye, right? Because guys don't, you know, but like, um, uh, I've, I, have, you, have you ever seen the movie Rudy? I have. Yeah, Rudy, Rudy, right? So this tiny little guy wants to play for Notre Dame, you know, too small, can't play, um, you know, not good enough. Finally, like after all this turmoil, he finally, like total underdog, finally makes the team that he gets in the game. I'm about to ruin it for everybody if you haven't seen it. True story. If you haven't seen it by now, then just don't (laughs) see it. It's not worth it. Yeah, right. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Right. No. um, Anyway, so at the end, he makes this amazing play and they carry him off the field and, you know, everybody's chanting, Rudy, Rudy. So I was watching this and my wife comes downstairs and like, I've got lots of stuff in my eye you know i'm watching it she's like why are you crying you've seen this a hundred times i'm like i know but he's so tiny and he's playing so well it's beautiful right i am profoundly moved by the stories of underdogs i am Uh, some of my best work is done when i'm working with david's taking on goliath period full stop like just just is and so i seek out opportunities to work with underdogs because that's something that really animates me so what is that for you right like what is it that really moves you emotionally when you see it. That's a, that's a great clue to a productive passion that might be present in your life. Find something and commit to it. Another one is, what do you believe that everyone around you kind of thinks you're crazy for, right? Like what is something you hold to be true that other people think you're crazy for believing? What's a hope that you have? Something that you think, no, this is possible. And everybody's like, eh, well, that could be something that's being planted in you, right? Like I believed against all evidence that people could be prolific, brilliant, and healthy. You could produce a lot of work. You could do it sustainably. You could do it you know, over time in a healthy way. A lot of people thought that was crazy. It's like you crash, you burn, you refresh. No, I, I believe that. And so that became part of my productive passion, you know, what I was saying. So I think just by asking some of those questions and really getting to the heart of like what moves you, what is it that really animates you, um, your, your passion isn't going to be a thing most likely. It's not like I'm going to go do this thing. It's what's being called out of you. And that can be applied in a lot of different circumstances, right? Like, like I said, the underdog thing, like it really bothers me when I see somebody being taken advantage of. Um, I was in uh, New York on a, on a speaking engagement trip recently, and I was walking down the streets all dressed up, you know, walking to my speaking engagement down the streets in New York. And I saw kind of a crowd and there was a cab driver holding this woman's purse. And the woman was like screaming, let go. I've already paid you. Let go, you know? And people just like standing around like, what the crap? Like this, I mean, 
first of all, I don't care who's right and who's wrong. You don't do that to a woman. You don't grab, you know how threatened she felt in that moment. Right. So I was like, I mean, I'm all dressed up. I've got like my white shirt on, my whole deal. I'm like, I'm, uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to step, this is crazy. I'm going to step in. So I, I walked up and I, I grabbed her purse and I said, let go of her purse. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a small guy. This guy's a little smaller than me. So he immediately let go. I, he said, she owes me money. She said, I already paid him. I'm on my way to a job interview. I said, listen, go to your job interview. I'm going to take care of this. Love you. Go. Right. And I turned to him and I said, I'm going to make it right with you. But you don't do that to a woman. That is not yeah. right. Dude, you don't, you don't do that. See, that's and, aggressive. Well, it is. That's aggressive. But it's, but like. From, All those other weenie boys just sit back. <laughs> oh, what's going on over there? Oh, everyone's walking around. Uh, no, th- that's why you're, that's why you're guest number one on the aggressive life. <laughs> you're the one guy in all of New York City that says, get your yappers off of her wallet. That's ridiculous. So what did he say after you? After well, you- he tried to give me this line about like, oh, well, but she owed me money and you know, whatever. I said, listen. I'll give you your money if that's more important to you than what just happened. I'm going to give you your money if you promise me you will never do that to a woman again. And he said, okay, I promise. I'll never do that again. So I, gave, I, I paid him. I gave him the money. I'm like, listen, it's not worth 10 bucks to have an argument. It was an argument over like eight bucks or right, something. Right. I gave him 10 bucks. It really, is that worth eight bucks to you that you're going to cause a scene in the middle? Right. Of, I mean, Dude, so, so, but this is why our country and our culture is broken problems problems we're too freaking passive we're too we're too easy peasy that we would just walk by and see that happen and not jump in that we wouldn't just going to part with our own eight dollars it's ridiculous there is a disease there's a disease in our culture it's called passivity and we need more people like todd henry who step in and said i'm going to solve the problem way to solve the problem todd yeah well, I, you know, I think that's what we're called to, right? I mean, yes. we're called as kingdom agents. We are called to bust into the world. We are called to be peacemakers. We're called to come in and to to set things aright. To yep. be, be freedom fighters. Yes, is what we, we are. are. And there's a lot of people called that. The fact of the matter is, you're the only one who did. You're the only one who did. How many people walked by as you saw this? How many people? You're in New York City. How many people around? I mean, there are a lot. There are, there are a lot. There okay. are a lot of people. There, there, yeah, there's, there. A, there's a lot. <laughs> I'm, say, I'm saying in the lives that are listening to this podcast, there's a lot of people who are walking around stuff that shouldn't be happening. You need to freaking make it happen. Yeah, you I, need to be the one who steps in. Yeah, I, and, and I'm not telling that story to be like, a, oh, hey, look at this. But I'm, I'm saying like those opportunities are everywhere. everywhere. You know, if you just as you go through your life, like, again, you're not your productive passion isn't something out there that you're called to. It's here and now. In this moment, as you encounter in, somebody in your workplace is dealing with something, great. Take the time to sit down with them and to enter into their problem and to help them to, to navigate through yes. it with them, right? Be a peacemaker in your life. How you treat your spouse, how you treat your kids, how you tip the barista at Starbucks. All of those things are important as you're building this body of work, right? Yeah. That's going to stand as a testament to your time on this earth. Well, Todd, we just scratched the surface. I can tell you right now, I'm going to want to have you back on the aggressive life because you are an aggressive stud. You are. I didn't even know you were going to inspire me at the end, but you utterly inspired me. If someone doesn't want to wait to talk to you to the next time we have in the podcast, how can they find out about you and your work? Yeah. So my, my personal site is toddhenry.com. Uh, I'm Todd Henry on all the socials. So uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. So yeah, that's where they can reach me. And that's all you got. 
You got no books that were, you uh, want to sell? Dog, be, be aggressive here. Be aggressive. We got people want to give you money. I've got the accidental creative uh, book called Die Empty, uh, which probably sounds familiar if anybody from Crossroads hears that phrase. It's a phrase we used for a really long time uh, that came out of our work with the Crazy Campaign a long time ago, uh, which was, in fact, incredibly crazy um, and, and life-transforming being part of that yeah. whole experience. Um, a book called Louder Than Words. My new book's called Herding Tigers, uh, which is about how to lead creative people. What is it that creative people need and, and how do you provide it for them more consistently. Awesome, Todd. It's been really great connecting with you. I look forward to having more reasons to get with you. And this is Todd Henry, and you have just completed the very first episode of The Aggressive Life with Brian Tome. Hey, thanks for listening. If this episode has impacted you, hey, share with somebody else. All of us have influence. People that can look to us for direction, use your influence positively, aggressively. And if this has meant something to you, then pass along to those that you're leading. Uh, you can see more at bryantome.com or search me on Instagram. Special thanks to the band Judges for our music. You can find more from them on Instagram at The Band Judges or at Facebook.com slash The Band Judges. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm.